find the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home and laugh behind the baller. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of Behind the Baller. I am your host. My name is Ben Baller, not Ben Humble, a.k.a. the Wash Lord, a.k.a. the Korean John Cusack, a.k.a. Old Boy. We are coming to you live from the Emerald City, a.k.a. the 206. Yo, that's right, y'all. We are recording live in Seattle, baby. Shout out to all the 12s out there. This is a Dust Brothers production. Shout out to Miles Davis and Jordan Winter, also known as the Captain Picks. Another museum quality professional podcast coming your way. That BTB theme song that you just heard is performed by Illegal Cartel. And we got original music by the God Lakey inspired. Guys, gals, 12s. BTB Army, let's get this motherfucking show started. Let's get this, let's kick this motherfucking Monday in its ass. Let's go. So I started the weekend out on Thursday in San Diego and now we're in the Pacific Northwest right what a fucking time what a fucking weekend guys you know what I mean this is the wrap up and we don't usually journey into golf or talk about that type of shit before the break but today we got a special guest that's my boy Michael Dugar from the man to man podcast he's also a Seattle Seahawks beat writer and uh, a very respected person in the media in Seattle, who is, of course, a Seattle local. He knows all the ins and outs of my beloved Seahawks. So I want to chat a little bit, you know, about what we can expect in tonight's matchup between the bitch-ass Denver Broncos and uh, the cornball Let's Ride Russell Wilson. So he's going to pee on, you know, in a, in a little bit. But first, we got to get into it because the motherfucking legendary ass fucking Friday, all right, and it starts in San Diego, first stop, Carlsbad, California, where the TaylorMade headquarters is, I got a quick tune-up at the Kingdom, if you don't know, the Kingdom is their coveted training facility where Tiger, Rory, Scotty Scheffler, Dustin Johnson, Colin Morikawa, and the best of the best get fitted and get their whole shit from swing lessons to everything, right? Bunch of celebrities, you know, head up in there. Aaron Rodgers is putting work. Tons, countless of PGA people. But they got to be tailor-made related, okay? But most importantly, when I pack for any trip, I'm very super aware of all my surroundings. And I always check to see what the weather's going to be like. Tokyo, Seattle, wherever the fuck it is. So I can pack clothes accordingly. And even though there's a heat wave in LA, it's like weird because it don't get hot in San Diego. It don't get fucking 82 or 83. And when it does, that 80 feels like 90 in LA. So, you know, it was just odd. The weather looked kind of hot and it didn't say it was going to rain, rain. You know, I see a little sprinkle here and there, which is weird for, 
you know, September, or maybe it's not. But I was thinking maybe like a light drizzle or some type of shit like that. But as soon as I hit and I drive past fucking Oceanside, I see that it's like gonna rain, even on that fucking Thursday, right? I get to TaylorMade, I get to the kingdom, and they're like, oh no, it's about to rain, rain, the fucking hurricane is here. I'm like, fuck you, hurricane, what? And sure enough, the shit changed from 40% for two hours to 90 to 80% the whole fucking day. So man, and man did it. Shit. I've never played golf in the rain before. Remember guys, I swang a club for the first time in November, right before Thanksgiving. Okay. I didn't start getting lessons until after that. And I didn't even fucking play my first actual round of golf until April. And that was with the fucking, a group of people in a scramble tournament, totally different. But there's so many factors to consider when you're playing in the rain and also playing in 25 to 35 mile per hour winds. They cancel PGA tours because the wind before the fucking rain, right? And, And, you know, like the rain, you play in the rain until you see lightning, they won't ring the bell or tell you guys come in so there's lightning. So I'm like, ain't this about a bitch? Called the pro shop, called the fucking head of Marlboro. I was like, what's up with this tournament? That's tomorrow. You know, you guys, are we playing? He goes, yeah, we're going to fucking play. Fuck you, me. We paid a lot of money for this course. And it's a very expensive course. So 25, 30 mile per hour winds, raining fucking like a bitch. What do you, you know, what does that mean? That means your game, you're going to get punished. Your game is going to suck. All that shit. But shout out to my boy, Greg, who was the head, he's the director of the kingdom because he handed me some tailor-made rain gloves and I didn't even think about it. And I was like, yo, I'm going to figure this out. I was thinking about getting a windbreaker. I was like, look, it's warm. Thank God I had some pants on, whatever. But those rain gloves saved my life. They're tactified like wide receiver gloves. They fucking give you way more grip in wet conditions. And all I had left was really bad anxiety. You know, because this was my first time playing, it was my second time playing the world famous Torrey Pine South Course, but my first time since May 18th this year. So that's just a little under four months in the amount of work that I've done since then. I might have, after that, I might have went like three times a week where I was practicing. And I was upwards to where I was practicing six, def, seven days a week until I got exhausted. So I'm averaging four or five days legit practice. And on top of that, playing a round or two a week and really getting my shit dialed the fuck in right. So when I played there in April, um, I'm sorry, in May, that was my actual real first round of 18 holes. And they made me walk the course. I had a caddy carrying my cart, but I was like, yo, no golf cart. Are you serious? It was fucking brutal. I got a bad knee. You know, I'm old. And they were like, look, all you got to do, Ben, is, you know what I'm saying, just keep it under 10 per hole. I'm like, 10 per hole? And they were like, just look, man, stop worrying about this shit, you know? If you could keep it to, you know, six or seven a hole, you'll be good. They expect me to shoot a 120 or worse. And I ended up finishing with 112. I got a 112, no mulligans. You know, there was a lot of shit that they had showed me and everything else. Caddy gave me a lot of help. 
And we shot from the white tees. Well, I shot from the white tees because no one else played. It was just me, instructor, and, and, and a caddy. So all I had was some badass anxiety. And I said, you know what? I got some time to kill. I was going to go to Dan Busters. I was going to go shopping. I was going to do this. I was going to go to Golf Galaxy, all this other bullet. Fuck that. I head over to fucking Torrey Pines on Thursday. It was still like early afternoon. I was like, look, fuck this. I'm going to get some practice at the range. And uh, when I get there, one of my homies is there. Someone I play golf with, I've already played three rounds with. And by the way, a lot has changed in my golf game in the last eight days. Last Sunday, my coach Ron unlocked my final stage of my swing, the movement and all that. So now I have that smooth, straightened elbow, full backswing, the tempo's on point. I, I just, it, I can't explain to you what this shit has done. It's done wonders for my confidence and it's done wonders for my game. And I know from here on out, like I'm about to work even harder and it worked to hit different muscles. Like just moving my arm four inches a different way and sticking them out and going higher. It just crazy. I finally fucking unlocked. I had that aha moment. Oh shit, aha. And so after hitting 70 balls at the range, I decided to play Tory. I was like, fuck this. The wind is really bad. It wasn't crowded. It was weird. You know, because when we played the tournament, Tory Pines North was fucking packed. But it was also the weekend. I don't know. It was different. But it was like slightly sprinkling. You know, the winds were pretty bad. At the range, I was hitting my seven iron against the wind. It was going like 110 yards. I'm like, what the fuck? Like everything was shortened. You know, if I hit my three wood kind of low, I can kind of push it through. It was just weird. I said, you know what? This is just shit I was going to have to get adjusted to. This is better that I go fuck around and try to play you know, low key and see how everything goes. So I checked tee times. They had one available. Shit, they're ready to go within 20 minutes. So I was like, fuck this, let's go. I asked my homie, I was like, yo, you want to play? And she's like, yeah, I'm down. So we jumped on it. Now, my homie Maslin that I play with usually, you know, she usually beats me by 10, 12 strokes. And the crazy thing is she's took some time off. She went to Europe and fucking Mykonos and the Bahamas and shit. And she still practiced. She played out there, whatever. But, you know, she's like, yo, you've come a long way. Like, I ain't got a lot of you. She has a beautiful swing, and she's just like, my whole game is shit. And I was like, man, bitch, I don't give a fuck. Let's play. But again, this is a girl who's beating me by 10, 12 strokes, no problem. And that day was not the case. Okay, so we played TP South from the white tees. I end up fucking shooting six over par. Do you hear what the fuck I just said? I shot a 42 on the front fucking nine, okay? So we get to the turn. I have this fucking field marshal walk over. He goes, hey, man, do you have a polo? Forgot I was wearing a T-shirt. And I was wearing fucking sneakers, which is crazy, right? And um, they require that you have a polo. I mean, it is a municipal course, but this is Torrey Pines. This is like a legitimate ass course. It's fucking $300 to play on the weekday. And it's like five or six, seven hundred dollars to play on the weekend. It's no joke. It's one of the most expensive places I've played, and I've only played seventeen rounds of golf. Okay, so that was required to wear one, and um, I was just sweaty and tired. I was like, "Look, fuck this." My confidence was through the roof. I just played the best front night of my life at one of the most respected, toughest courses where the fucking PGA U.S. Open and the Farmers Insurance PGA Tour is held. Like, I was excited. I was like, cool, fuck this. I'm good. No, I'm fine. Don't trip. I don't even need to play the back down. I'm good. 
So, you know, I was like, fuck this, I'm leaving. I was content. So I headed back to my hotel. And while I was there, I was like, I was reflecting back on what I just did, right? I played. Of course, I called my coach. I called my boy, Sammy. I called my cousin, Pete. Call everyone that's, you know, great in golf. And I was just thinking back like, damn, I really got to sit back and just soak in how beautiful that place is, how beautiful San Diego is. And I remember my wife hitting me and she's like, you're playing golf. Sorry, baby, you're playing golf. And I was like, babe, we got to consider getting a place out here in La Jolla or in Del Mar, maybe Encinitas. But the vibe is just different. I've always liked San Diego. You know, I've spoken about it before. I've spent a lot of time in San Diego. I used to do all my fucking New Year's Eve parties there. I did 4th of July there all the time. So, you know, um, I think I was on hole three where you hit that par fucking, that par three. And it's like, you know, it's like that 160, I think, or something like that. Just beautiful. And it's like the tee box is elevated up. You see the ocean. You know, it was like 88 degrees. So it was warm, but it was weird. It was windy. You know, I was hitting my driver into the wind for the first few holes. And it was going like fucking like, I don't know, 180 yards at best. And then we get on the back nine. I mean, I get to um, hole eight or nine and I'm catching this crazy downwind. And I remember I had 110 yards to the hole and I used my P wedge and I hit it pure and the fucking ball went 165 yards. So obviously it went way past the pin and I was like, nah, fuck this. I'm going to reshoot this, right? If you want to call it a mulligan, do so but that's something I never experienced ever where the wind was that nuts because I can't hit my pitching wedge anywhere near that. So, you know, I don't know, man. I, I was just super on fucking, I was on one, felt good, definitely get good my confidence, even though I knew that was going to be fucking shit show the next day. So I caught up with my boy, Mike, who's the director of marketing for TaylorMade. And, um, you know, we went and got dinner in La Jolla. We chilled, chopped it up, had some fucking oysters, had some steak, had some wine, had a beer, and I just went home and I said, fuck this. I'm watching some good, good golf on YouTube. And I just chilled for the rest of the night. Woke up bright and early, like 5.30, 6 o'clock. Come to find out, I wake up and, um, you know, it's Friday. I'm ready to fucking go with this tournament. I'm excited. It's only 44 players. And all the electricity in my hotel is out. Phone, everything, fucking lights, everything. I'm like, I call downstairs. The phone works, the hotel phone. But they're like, yeah, sorry, there's an accident a block from the hotel, the phones work, one elevator works, all this shit, the generator's running that, boom. So I'm like, ain't no motherfucking electricity? Like, I'm about to make, take, look, if there's no electricity, there's no water heater. So like, I just can't believe the whole fucking entire hotel had no electricity. So I had to go in the, you know, the fucking bathroom, I had to bird bath it. I'm not about to go in there, have my, I need to wash my ass the whole nine. That's like some shit took me back to like when I was fucking being a scumbag and, you know what I'm saying? You have a one night stand or you're dating some chick, you have sex, you gotta wash your dick in the sink and all that stuff. And it was like, this is crazy. So I get as fresh as I can with, with washcloths and everything. And I was dressed fresh as fuck. You know what I'm saying? That's one good part. I had my made sure I got my fucking infinity tours on with the spikes. I ain't about to have no tennis shoes. I ain't about to swing out of my fucking club, my shoes, right? I'm ready for Freddy. I'm ready for this fucking, for this wet weather, all that shit, right? I had my mob on, Tiger Woods polo with the Korean Olympic tiger on that bitch. Had my Nike slim golf pants on. All my clubs were clean. I had my motherfucking vessel bag. 
Everything was right, except for my anxiety. It was at an all-time high. I was so nervous. I don't give a fuck. I knew I unlocked my swing, but yo, the rain. And I'm sitting where the golf carts are. You know, I just checked in at the desk. I'm like, yo, I'm here for the tournament, Ben Baller, right? 49 years of age from Los Angeles, California, was really, really good. I go in the fucking pro shop. I buy a couple Nike polos because it's dope because they say Tory Pines on them. Bought a couple things. So I was going to get a jacket, whatever. I bought an umbrella. Didn't fucking really use it. I was too fucking locked in. I was too focused. And I just sat there and watched the rain pour. As people say, it didn't look that bad. Shut your dumb fucking stupid ass up. Trust me. It rained for over 13 holes hard. And then the other maybe three or four were just sprinkling. And there are maybe one or two holes where it didn't rain. But the wind was fucked up. But I got my shit together. I was like, fuck it. Had a foursome. Right? Three dudes and never met my before my entire life. My partner was a dude named Alex. And again, this was a Maubon golf 44-player tournament. It was really hard to get it in, right? I had booked it before, but they were like, oh, are you sure? Whatever, boom. This was not a scramble. It was not a shamble. This was best shot. That means you must play your entire hole your entire round, and you and your partner get to pick the best shot on each hole, right? And me and my partner, Alex, because of our handicaps, mine being a 16, his being an 18, I got one stroke per hole. He got two strokes on some holes, so we were fine. Only problem is, and, and you know, tell you the truth, Alex was maybe a better overall golfer than me. He was pretty good. You know, he was very lax, very chill, Definitely had more power in his shots. Played better in some ways, whatever. But the real problem was we weren't shooting from the whites. This was tourney play from the tips. I've never played from the black tees before, so I'm like, God damn, that's 7,000 yards, and that changes everything. Get to the first tee, shot a six on my first hole. But you know what? At the first tee box... This professional photographer, and there were three of them, videographers, photographer. These dudes, all they do is shoot golf, and they're great photographers. The dude says, yo, man, RDB really got you right, because I don't even fucking recognize you anymore. And I said, that's probably the biggest compliment you could ever give me. Nobody on the internet, obviously, has ever said anything good. A couple people have said some things here and there, but I'm talking about strangers. People are like, yo, your swing looks completely different. Like, you look legit like a seasoned vet. You look like a seasoned, real, legit Good-ass amateur, man. Good shit, man. I know you've been grinding. Fucking crazy. I get a fucking seven on the next hole. And I'm like, you know what? Ain't that bad. Par five. And it's like, oh, I guess double bogey. Cool. I get a stroke on each hole, right? So I'm like, fuck it. But inside my mind, I'm like, yo, I couldn't let that ride. I'm kind of like, you know, I shot a 42 here yesterday. What the fuck's going on? By the way, I shot a six. And I shot a fucking eight. And then I went birdie par for the rest of the fucking round. So I'm like, fuck that. Couldn't let, I couldn't let it sit in my mind that that's the way we're going. I don't give a fuck about the rain. We're on the third hole. And by the way, it is raining cats and dogs. I kick in my Bruce Lee fucking some whole other shit. My game comes in and I lock the fuck in. Okay. No, 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 no. Wait, listen. Do you hear me? I was locked the fuck 
in, you dumb son of a bitch, cocksucker, motherfucker, dick, shit, sucker, bitch ass, goofy, trout mouth, goat mouth, monkey mouth, funny face ass, stupid bitch, fuck nose ass, hating ass clowns. I went into a zone. Okay. Best shot of the entire round was one of mine. And the other three dudes said it was. We were 170 yards out on a par four. My second shot. Pull out my seven iron and off the motherfucking rough. Hit that bitch wet. Right? Within three feet of the pin. Get it in for birdie. I had a few other shots that were similar to that. They're pretty good. You know, maybe seven, eight yards. But, you know, just to get these shots in there. The final hole, even my bunker shots, I didn't sit in the bunker ever. I, I got out in one, right? I was, on, I was on a different fucking level. The final hole, hole 18, I had my second shot. And um, it's crazy because I hit my first one like a fucking son of a bitch, right? So now I'm about 140 yards out. And uh, my first shot was a mean motherfucker. I'm 140 yards out. I pull out my nine iron. And I got it probably 18 feet from the pin. I made par. Overall, I put it 31 times. I think I had like one or two up and downs. It was weird, man. But I did get a drive on hole 12 that they say is the hardest fucking hole at that course and that drive went 302 yards carry with a lot of help from the wind, but the toughest, longest par four I've ever fucking played. I called my coach after the round to tell him I shot an 85. My best score ever at the toughest course I've ever played at. My final turn and score with all the strokes was 67. I placed fourth in the tournament overall, but check me out. Listen, man. I was the oldest person there by eight years and the newest golfer there by two years. So I was super fucking proud of my play. And I told my coach, maybe if the weather was better, I could have shot, you know, low 80s. Who fucking knows, right? He's like, nah, absolutely not. You were so focused and you were so worried about the rain and your performance that you really focused on your game, your course management, your clubs, your distances. You know what I'm saying? You weren't on your phone fucking around. And I was like, true that. Okay, no, that makes a lot of sense. In fact, one of my homies, Pete, my cousin, he said the same thing and he's a pro. A coach is like, you would have been more relaxed if the weather was good. You would have let up a little bit. You know, the weather wouldn't be, be on your mind. And I guess I agree, but I did so well the day before. I don't know, man. All I know is I said, I said, fuck this. I'm going home. I don't want to, ain't no award ceremony. I need to care about. I don't care about the gift bag. I was just so juiced. I want to get back to my wife and kids. It was three hours and fucking nine minutes to get back. I didn't give a fuck about being in traffic. I didn't care. I was on the phone with my coach for like an hour and a half, talking to all my homies who play golf. I was so high off of that plane. I was so tired too. I just didn't care. Now look, I can't wait to get it in this week back in LA. I wish, I fucking wish I was playing golf here in Seattle because my boy, BTB Army member, Josh Decker told me he's going to take me to Windsor Hills. I've heard nothing but good things about it from Tyler Lockett. By the way, congrats to my man, Tyler Lockett, who just got engaged. You already know I made the ring. But uh, I got to play golf next time. Definitely bring my sticks. 
But um, while I was driving up back home from Torrey Pines, I listened to this podcast on the mark with this golf instructor, Mark, um, and he interviewed Bryson DeChambeau, who is, you know, one of the best golfers in the PGA. Well, he's on live now, but he was one of the furthest, you know, distance driving, everything, really technical dude. And he said some shit that hit so different to me. And I want everyone that's playing golf now that listens. He said he heard the legend Arnold Palmer say this, swing your swing. Don't change it for anyone. And Bryson embraced it. He's like, I hate it when coaches try to put their students in a box and try to make them do, you know, a range of motion that they're not used to. Golf is tough. Why make it harder? Right? And that shit hit different because it took 10 months to get my swing looking right and my form and all that shit. So all I'm saying, guys, is trust the process. You don't need to swing hella hard. That's another thing, too. And I hope I can get Bryson DeChambeau on the podcast, talk about that shit. But look, more about my weekend after the interview. I'm trust you, there's some cool shit with food and all the other stuff and shit that's going here in Seattle. But before we get my boy Mike Dugar on here, we got a, a couple commercials to pay some bills. So yeah, listen to my man Lakey Lake. We'll be right back, y'all. Supercharge your knowledge, your sales, and your success. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Synchronize your online and in-person sales. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash baller, all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash baller right now. Shopify.com slash baller. What up, BTB Army, man? So we are back, and uh, we got a special guest. Like I said, I am in the Emerald City. I am in the 206. I am in Seattle. And for all my 12s out there and for all my people who don't like us, too fucking bad, because I got somebody who is a <laughs> special 12. We got my man Michael Dugar from the Man to Man podcast. He is a Seattle Seahawks beat writer. He is... I'm gonna, he's going to tell you. What's up, Mike? How you doing? I am doing fantastic, man. I'm hyped for the season, man. I'm happy to have you uh, have me on the show, man. Yeah, Thanks for, for sure. the love. Thanks for the love. Appreciate for show, it. For sure. So, bro, to get it in, I don't even know how I stumbled across the pod, and I'm glad I did. I, I was on your show. That was awesome. 
that actually ended up being a pretty good episode. Right? Oh, I love that episode. The game yeah. wasn't very good, but the episode was good. Like we, yeah. me and Chris aren't like super duper. My Chris Kid, my co-host on the Seahawks yeah. Man to Man podcast. Me and Chris aren't like super diehard like fans because we can't be. Like I can't be because right. I'm a reporter. And then Chris is kind of objective in that way too. And we're both from Seattle, so having you on to kind of bring that emotional side to it for better or worse for win and a win or a loss that was a loss that we had it was after the Saints game last yeah. year but that that just added a new element to our show that we can't me and Chris just naturally can't have so that was amazing the funny part was seeing AK Alvin Kamara in the fucking <laughs> lobby and he was like especially because regardless I tell my fans all the time right? I've been doing this over three years and there's a lot of personal things that I talk about on the show but I always tell people I said look man I've been popular for 20 years internet made it even bigger and I was who I was before social media but I'm never going to ever get used to someone who's respected and legitimately a star in the league of any baseball basketball football and be like oh shit that's Ben Baller right and I'm like motherfucker you could have lost tonight I wish you you know what I'm saying like <laughs> we sitting there having a conversation about things but that was a good night man and the funny thing is it was in this exact room yeah 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 by the way, y'all, we are in the penthouse suite. I will not tell you what hotel it is, but yeah, we're chilling and it's nice and we're about to get it in. Can you tell the people exactly what it is that you do for a living? Yeah, so my job is not just to, uh, as a beat writer, that's my, my title, just kind of like it comes from the term like a beat cop. You know, like a street cop who has his little area that he patrols. It's the same thing. That's his beat. You know, if you have a neighborhood that you patrol, whatever. I have a team that I follow. I go to every Seahawks practice. I go to every Seahawks game, home or away, even if I got to fly to London. Um, I'm talking to the players. I'm interviewing them, getting a feel for how they're feeling, the coaches. Um, and then I'm reporting it. You know, sometimes I do something as simple as report what guys say. Like this week, um, I wrote that the guys on the team, they don't think this is a rebuild year. They're like, rebuild? Mike, what the fuck is that? You know, we don't do that. Like I remember asking Josh Jones, the safety, about that. He was like, I don't do rebuild. Like, I don't want to use that word. Like, he was disgusted. And then I write that. Sometimes I write what I think. You know, if I think the defense sucks or if I think Tyler Lockett's an elite receiver and I want to make that argument and inject my opinion into it, then I'll do that. Sometimes I want to say, hey, man, what Pete Carroll told us as reporters is nonsense. I can call him out on it. I can be... I can uh, kind of be the watchdog that journalism was intended to be when journalism first got started in newspapers and stuff like that, holding the government accountable. You can do all that. I got all these layers to my to my job. Um, and yeah, like I'm traveling. I'm in the locker room, you know, hosting our podcast, getting people on there. Shout out to Clint Hurt, the DC, has been on our show um, before. Yeah, my job's a little bit of everything. Um, it's, it's presenting the facts, but then using my football knowledge to have a, uh, an informed opinion. You know, like people trust what I say. Hey, Mike, what do you think of the team? I had a player one time ask me before the year starts. He was like, hey, you think we're going to be good? <laughs> this is in uh, 2018. Jesus somebody asked Christ. me that. Because he, he thought, you know, he, but he knew. He's like, I only watch our team every day. He was like, you, will, you know, you know the rest of the league. Do you think we're going to be good? And I told him, yes. Yeah. I said, I think you guys will go about 10 and 6. I think that year they went 10 and 6. Uh, make me feel all right. Uh, but yeah, so I use, I report stuff. And I present the facts, too. But it's also my job to, like, give what I think, too. It's a little bit of a balance in there. Shit, man. At least I listen to your takes. Like, sometimes I want to fight Greg Bell. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, <laughs> it is what it is. I'm like, Corbin uh, is definitely much more positive. But at the same time, like, I can't listen to the show. And I hope he's not listening to this right now. Maybe he does. But, I mean, I know he's listened to any time I had a Seahawks player on. A lot of the guys listen to it. But so that's interesting. You know, it's one thing I did not know that you just said is you know, you try not to be a fan. But, I mean, you are a Seahawks fan, aren't you? I mean... 
Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of all the hometown teams. You know, I'm from Seattle. I'm from South Seattle. Right. You know, so I'm rooting. Not necessarily, I, I'm not like pom-pom waving necessarily, but like I want the Mariners to do good. When I was at the casino earlier today and Suarez hit that bomb to beat the Braves, like I jumped up in the air just like everybody else at the sports book and I had no money on it, right? I have the Mariners logo tattooed over my heart. Um, you know, I've, I root for the storm. I'll tweet, I'll tweet at them when they win. I, I like when the Sounders win, you know, but, uh, but why are you uh, having this, like, you have definitely a little bit of, you're not defensive about it, but is it because of the job you have? Yeah. To be- the job, they just want you to be impartial. Like even in the press box, this is a, the, uh, in every press box, they'll announce this is a working press box. Cheering is not allowed. It's distracting to people who are trying to work. Like they announce that every game in every stadium in the NFL, every time. So like there's just a standard in journalism that you're us- you're usually not supposed to be a fan of the team you cover, and that it can't is. show up in your writing too. Like you can't come off as like super sad when the team loses, and you can't sound super. I happy do when still the team see wins. a lot of fucking bias in fucking writing though. Period. Oh, huge, huge it's fucking people bullshit. break those rules. <laughs> it's fucking people bullshit. break, and they have a uh, they cling to people they like and don't know how to be critical of them. Uh, you saw a lot of it when Drew Locke lost the job. You know, it was a yeah. lot of like, oh man, I'm super sad. Drew lost. It was like, we're supposed to just write about yeah. who wins and no. why. Who we don't know these guys or Gino or Drew or anybody. Now that said, though, there are people you build relationships with. You know, like I'm, I, I'm cool. With Bobby Wagner, KJ right. Wright. They these guys right. who have been on the show. Tyler Lockett's been on our show. Uh, Quandre Diggs. Shout out to uh, Quandre. Um, we've had so you build relationships, but at the end of the day, you just want to make it so that, like, you know, you still have a job to do, you know, and you still got to be able to report the truth when it's the truth. No, that's um, I respect yeah. it even more now. Going back a little bit, I started listening to this show last season. I never went back because I wanted to listen to things in real time, mm-hmm. and I was really fascinated by the fact that y'all talk about you watch film. Oh yeah. And bro, I barely watch film when I played football in college. You know what I mean? So that's like, that's a lot. Some people don't watch film. I'm like, damn, this dudes are really going all out. And every year, the Seahawks organization kind of gives me a little bit more love. You know, and last, this past, past season, they kind of like, they invited me out to the press day, boom, boom. Like there's that thing where you did the 40-yard dash versus the media, um, the media combine. Yeah. yeah. And I was supposed to be a part of that. I was out of town. Trust me, I wanted to be there. Oh man, that was fun. I had no idea you could run a fucking four seven or what was <laughs> I it? I ran a four eight five. Yeah. Fastest one of the day, man. I was hype about that. I mean, that, bro, man. how old are you? Uh at that time I was twenty nine, but I've since turned thirty in July, yeah. That's still Oh, I felt great about that. Bro, I mean I ran I ran just under a barely under a four or five at my NFL combine when I was my redshirt freshman year, transferring over to a D two school. And I was I was a corner and I was still that's what it is, but that's crazy, bro. Yeah, I've, I've never even played football either. Like, and I, I watch a lot of film. But there's a I, lot that you know about it. When, we, when I'm hearing you talk about shit, I'm like, the fuck? Because, you know, I'm biased about Stephen A. Smith, certain people talking about certain things, and they didn't play, or they didn't. some people didn't play at a certain level. But I think Stephen did play basketball. But, like, he did, yeah. You know, there's great golf coaches that can't really play very well. They can't break in 85 or certain things. And they're the greatest coaches. The guys coach Tiger and stuff. So I'm kind of, it's weird, but. I've learned to accept it, and it's just one thing. This is me, a personal thing with me. But when you talk about defense and shit, you know, you really are on point. So salute to you on that, man. 
Yeah, no, I, uh, I mean, Bill Belichick, um, you know, I went to another guy who's like, Bill Belichick wasn't this world-class athlete, and he knows ball as well as as well as well anybody. You know, I went to Washington State University, and we had uh, Mike Leach as our head coach for a long time. He's now the head coach at Mississippi State. You know, Mike Leach didn't play no damn football. I don't even know at what level of football Mike Leach ever even advanced to. Um, and he's a football, like, savant, you know? Like, you can right. you can learn the game. I mean, the, probably the best example in the NBA right now is Eric Spolstra, who I'm pretty sure never even sniffed, like, D1 college ball uh, as an athlete. I think he started as a video coordinator in the Miami Heat uh, franchise, and he's one of people, their best coaches ever. I don't even want to get into their that with Spolstra. And they say, but I don't... Man, let's pivot back to, <laughs> to back to Seattle. So tell me what your schedule is like during the actual Seahawks season. Oh, busy as hell, man. Because when you're in the news business, you can never put your phone down. Like I can't, I can't put my phone on do not disturb like everybody else when they're busy because you never know when Adam Schefter is going to tweet that someone on the Seahawks needs surgery or someone got a DUI or someone just got a contract extension or someone just got waived because all that means Mike has to drop everything he's doing and go to his computer and write something or get on the phone with an agent or someone in the front office and confirm the news, then call my editor, write a blurb. You know, like I was on a boat for a bachelor party when Jamal Adams uh, got acquired in a trade and I was trying to write my story on the boat and then the boat hit a wave splashed my computer my computer died and I was in the middle of the, yeah was, this was in July 2020 yeah when Jamal got acquired I think July 23rd or something like that I got I was on yeah. a boat the boat got everyone else is drinking white claws and trulies and turning up behind me as we go to this like water slide park or whatever and there's mike in the front of the boat shirtless with my sandals on trying to type up that they traded for jamal trying to i'm on the phone trying to confirm it boat hits a wave computer's gone i'm cussing out the the boat driver like it was that's my life you know so and that same, was just in the off season so the same thing happened like when we had acquired jadavian like early on remember like that was actually after the first game yeah that was like, right before that was week one uh, of 2019 yeah there's been there's been a few where i'm either on a plane or i'm asleep you know i think they they traded away marshawn or traded for or acquired something they did something with marshawn at like six in the morning one time um russell wilson's deal the for the hey seattle we got a deal that happened i think at one in the morning because that's why russ was asleep with sierra that yeah. uh, when he announced that like i was passed out <laughs> my, my bro had to come to my room and wake me up like mike Russ just signed. Get up. I said, fuck that. <laughs> it went back to sleep. So, like, Mondays, I'm super busy talking to Pete, talking to the players. Tuesday's my day off, just like the players are off on Tuesdays. Wednesday, I'm at the facility all day, interviews, walking around the locker room, all that. Okay, so Thursday let's, say, let's, say, let's say, okay, Sunday, let's just say, I'm just making this up. We got to go to Arizona, right, which is pretty close, you know, mm-hmm. two-hour flight. So we got to go to Arizona. What day do the players usually get to Arizona if the game's on Sunday? Uh, I'll, you can use the Niners game. This kind of uh, Niners aren't your, <laughs> your people, but we can use the Niners game next weekend as an example. They'll probably leave Saturday, um, but I'm working Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then I'm flying Saturday. Um, and Saturday I can kind of chill because that's a short flight, like you said. Sunday I'm there about two hours before every game. After the game I probably spend like 40 minutes in the locker room, another hour or so writing a story, uh, watching some film. Uber back to my hotel, wherever that is. Uh, then I do my podcast with Chris, which is probably another hour, hour and a half, because me and Chris have to do our pre-production meeting between the two of us and then record that. Then I can finally get some sleep. Well, now it's probably Sunday at like 2 in the morning. I probably got a flight back home the next day because Pete Carroll's got a press conference at 3 o'clock Pacific that I got to get back for. Uh, and then wash, rinse, repeat. 
you know, all, all year. No, it's 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 a definitely a grind. It's def and on top of watching film and you know just having a life. I mean, <laughs> you bro, you're young. I said that's what I was about to get, get into next. Cause dog, you're young. You still gotta have a life. It's like, Jesus Christ. So like, you know, one of the biggest things that I see on your feed, like when you're doing like your stories and stuff, like besides drinking beer, what are your hobbies? Like, what do you like to do when you do get a little bit of free time? I'm a big movie guy. Anybody recommends a movie for the most part, unless it's like made before like 1990, I'll probably watch it. I binge watch a lot of movies. I'm actually not a video game guy anymore. Uh, when I went to college, I just left my PS2 at the house and I never owned a system again because I knew if I took my video games to college, I wouldn't study. Um, and I was right. There's no way. Give me uh, one of your favorite movies. So I'm, I'm on a heist movie binge right now. So Inception, Inside Man, um, let me see some other heist, Den of Thieves. All of these new, uh, these newer-ish heist movies are just amazing. I'm a big heist guy, right? Den of Thieves definitely hit different with me. Inside Man kind of just, and I, you know, Denzel was the guy who gave my first start in Hollywood, and so like I was always fucking with that movie. Kind of Den of Thieves though, definitely. Den was, of Thieves was amazing. Yeah, that was, was an amazing. I like how uh, raw they went with it. What's the, I'm missing a big one. My one of my, the town. One of the my favorite movies ever, bro. Is, oh my Come on, goodness! I'm a yeah, like. I'll watch every Will Smith movie there is, good or bad. Most of them have been bad lately, uh, but I'll watch them. And like you mentioned, when I run into 40, man, I play a lot of flag football now. I was in like three leagues over the summer. I saw that too, yeah. I saw yeah, that too. I'm a big, because like I said, I never played football growing up. My mom would let me because I was too small. Um, right. And I'm an only, I was an only child, so my dad lost that war. I don't know how me and him got to talk about that. <laughs> I don't know how you let your only kid... It's your son, not not even, I never even played peewee. He didn't even let me go get hurt, you know, and like, oh, let's take him out. No, I just never played. I play a lot of flag football. I watch a lot of football. As of the last, like, four or five years, I'm also in a book club, so I do a lot of reading. A book, bro? Yeah, my homie. about to stop this podcast right now. Me and you going to fight. What the fuck you talking? No, I'm playing with you, man. Man, I just, I just been trying to educate myself, man. No, it's good. You really are articulate on the show. You know, I like, yeah, you know. You know what's funny? I was uh, I was in a car today with this uh, with my two of the homies, and they had a girl on FaceTime that hadn't seen me in, like, a few years. But she was on FaceTime audio. You know how the sound comes through the, the yeah. truck that we was in. And she was like, oh, who else are you guys with? I thought it was just the two of you. And I was just kind of talking in the background. And she was like, oh, I know who you're with. I can t I can hear the the smarts. She was like, I can hear the artic articulation or something like that. Like, they never told her who it was. Once I started talking, she could tell, like, oh, yeah, you're with someone smart. Like, oh, that's 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 Dugar, huh? I was like, oh, yeah. Like, so I tell you, I love it. Look, man, let's stop the fucking bullshit, okay? As an unbiased part of the media that is from the town of Seattle and you know the ins and outs, what do you think our strongest areas are as far as the Seahawks go this season? I think two things, one of them on the field, one of them not. I do think there is guys in the building who are good leaders and they're not gonna take no bullshit. Like I think that's where losing Bobby Wagner was the biggest part to me. It wasn't the fact that he makes a lot of tackles. You needed guys like Bobby who when a dude blows a tackle or he's late for a meeting and blows an assignment because he was out at the strip club the night before or partying or hungover or whatever, just ain't taking his shit seriously. Bobby can look that dude in the eyes and say, dog, if you don't get your shit together, me and you are going to have a problem. Like, And they have those guys. And you need those dudes. It ain't just the NFL's not just get younger, get faster, get hungrier, quote unquote. Nah, man, you need leaders. You need grown-ass men in there. And they got Quandre. They got DK. They got Tyler. Um, they got big Al Woods, you know, because the season has a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of teams out there today in week one or in week one of the NFL who thought they were going to win and got their boots smoked. And you got to know how to handle that. 
you're going to get your boots smoked every once in a while. And you guys got to be able to handle that, not point fingers, not beat the hell out of each other in the locker room, cuss out the coaches, such and such. So I think that's that's a legitimate positive. They're not like one of these young rebuilding teams like the Lions or the but Falcons. That's, but look, and it is important. I, I know, right? That is important. I feel like that's the tortilla or the wrap or the bread. What internally do you think? And by the way, I didn't mean. I know he didn't mention you, but Nick, I know you listen to the show once in a while. Nick Belore, shout out to you being a captain too. You, have, you know, you're a joker. You're Nick's one of those. You're yeah. a hard worker. Internally, athletic wise, like, what do you think our strongest areas are this year? I actually think both lines will be solid. I was a little worried about the O line until I saw Charles Cross play. Until I saw right tackle Abe Lucas, shout out to Wazoo, saw him play. Like I, saw, the line should be fine. And on the D line, I think they got nothing but dogs. I like everybody on the D-line. I like Daryl Taylor. He's a dog. He reminds always, me so I much of... I always love DT. He, he looks like a young Frank Clark, man. And I've been holding that comparison in for like a year and a half. And I just, now I'm cool letting it fly because he's played some games. I like, I like Uchenna and Wasu, who they picked up from the Chargers. I love Big Al, man. He might be one of the best athletes on the damn team, man. He's like 6'2", 6'3", 335 pounds. And he can probably do a front flip, you know, without a running start. Dog. I thought, I thought he was going to be a lot taller. No, when I met him, he's barely tall, inch him taller than he's me. He's just stout. Like, yeah, that's a big dude. I love Puna Ford, man. Puna Ford is a Puna's always athlete. been a fan favorite. What do you, what, oh, do you, yeah. what do you think about our defensive backfield? I'm a, uh, I got to see the corners, man. Like I think that here's the thing about your secondary. Let's assume you play nickel, which means you got five DBs on the field at one time. Oh God! If that fifth DB ain't it, every good quarterback will figure that out. You know, oh, fast all the time. It's not even about having top end guys as much as it's sometimes about your fifth dude. You know, I just watched the Vikings just torch the Packers today. The Packers got like yeah, about, that was pretty th- crazy. about three, three and a quarter good secondary players. It's that fifth dude. You're right. That fifth. You're right. Seahawks fans know this. And then I actually, I'm, uh, I, I have I have PTSD for Trey Flowers. Still. I was just about to bring up Trey. That was I like Trey as a dude. Trey was actually cool. I think him and Cedric Thompson got a bad rep when they were here. Um, but fuck Trey. They just didn't. They didn't perform. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't perform. I, I I think Trey a cool cat. The problem is, the secondary would be cool, and then he would be that one weak link. And all it takes is one weak link. And you look at that Packers game from the playoffs. Got barbecued. I think Kobe might come in and surprise us, bro. Oh, I love Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I think I, th- he, I think he might come in. And, you know, some couple series and, and surprise us. He's a dog. Kobe is a dog. Kobe reminds me mentally, not just not nothing physical. I'm just talking mentally of Richard Sherman in that everything Kobe does, he wants to be better than everybody. Like his, yeah. for, better than his pops, better than his brother who played in the league, um, better than all of his contemporaries, better than everybody in his draft class, better than everybody who won the Jim Thorpe Award in college, which goes to the, the best, best defensive TV. back. Yeah, Kobe won that. Um, and when he was giving his speech at the award ceremony, he shouted out some of the other guys uh, like Mo, Mo Claiborne, um, Grant Delpit, I think, who had also won it. He was like, I love you guys. We're a brotherhood, but I'm about to be better than all of you. Like he said that in the, during his speech for the Jim Thorpe Award, like before he had even ran at the combine out there, I think he said that. Like that's who Kobe is. He's like, yeah, you guys are all good. I'm proud of you guys, and thank you for paving the way. But all right, now I'm about to get to the league and be better than everybody. Okay. Like that's Kobe. I love that mindset. Solid points. What are our weakest areas right now, you think, for this season? It's got to be quarterback. It's got to be quarterback. Here's, here's the thing on Geno, man. Gino, when he was at the Jets, he turned it over a lot. But that's the Jets, bro. I can't like, you know, I can't go by that. Like I had this conversation with Tyler even. I had this conversation with Tyler while he was like, look, bro, how can you judge off the, you know what I mean? It's the Jets, bro. It's like, 
No, no, here's here's what I'll say on that, because you're right. He turned it over a lot with the Jets. So then he he learned in his head, he was like, I associate losing jobs with turning it over. So now what I'm going to do, whenever I go out there, my number one goal will be to not turn it over. But then he goes from having a mindset where you're playing to win, which is what gunslingers usually do, to now he's playing not to lose, which is what you saw when he started last year. He was just going out there trying not to make mistakes. But that's is, not good. You, you can't do that. Yeah, you can't go you, and play not to lose because you're doing you just enough. It. Yeah, you got to go. So I think that's the issue there. Gino's got to find that balance between taking those risks, trusting the fact that he's in year 10, with also protecting the ball, which it sounds a lot like Russ. Like Russ would go out there and throw it deep and, and then also only have like seven interceptions for the season, but he'd have like 28, 30 touchdowns. Gino needs to find that balance because he kind of overcorrected. You know how you see something goes wrong in your car or something like that and you just you overcorrect it? Or you just have something that goes wrong, you get in a fight and a dude keeps hitting but you in the ribs, so you snaps, overcorrect. Dog. He ain't had enough snaps. Look, I didn't want to think about that. I, that's the obvious leak, weakest shit that we got. But what, what's like another weak area that concerns you about this season um, with the Hawks? I think that they could have some issues with their pass rush. I do think they could have some issues there because I, as much as I like Daryl Taylor, I'm not sure that they have enough in their pass rush group that if he gets double teamed, the other guys are going to consistently win one-on-one. Because if you think about it, right, a good pass rush group – Usually it's four guys. Well, the other team has five linemen. And then on third down, that means they usually also have a running back in there. So you're going four on six. So you really need guys who, assuming you don't blitz, you need guys in there who can win one-on-one. So if Daryl Taylor takes up a right tackle and a right guard, okay, who's winning? Is Quentin Jefferson consistently winning? Is Shelby Harris consistently winning? Is Ricky Boy Mafe consistently winning to get to the quarterback like that? That'll take some time, I think, because you got to win your one-on-one matchups. Um, and then they can run screens at you. They can help with the running back. Like one of the players that's going viral after the Bucks cowboys game today is Leonard Fournette just destroying Micah Parsons. Killed him. Killed him. Killed and that, him, you gotta be, And when, when Micah's getting double-teamed like that, someone and else Micah's has to help. Some, little, some clown, bro. Oh, no, he's Micah's a, a dog. He's a fucking beast. <laughs> he's a dog. But when Micah's getting double-teamed like that, who on the Cowboys can help? That's where the Seahawks are probably going to run into that issue early on. With DTs getting double teamed, okay, who's going to go kick the other guy's ass in front of him and get to the quarterback? And by the way, guys, for all you football fans out there and the ones who actually know what the fuck football is about, and I think some people say, what do you know about football? I'm like, bro, some of y'all just don't realize because I have fucking Ferraris and Lamborghinis and fucking jewelry and stuff and don't realize I played ball. Motherfucker, I played defense <laughs> in college, you know what I'm saying? Even though I don't like to give him his flowers, he is an animal, he is a dog. Aaron Donald is the best person I've ever seen against a double team. He can literally go one-on-two, and it's the craziest shit I've ever seen, yep. and I hate him, so fuck him. Um, but yeah. No, nah, he's, nah, he's really one of the best players. Like no, but I mean, when he gets double teamed, it hasn't really like... No, it don't work. We, we did okay against him, you know, last season, which was surprising. You know, they didn't... We we, look, it came down to the wire with the Rams both games. Yeah. Actually, it did, yeah. You know the the so, L.A. one got a little, yeah, Russ struggles against the Rams, man. But, I mean, Gino, I really thought we were going to do it that game. I was like, yo, it was, it gets, we, we got so close. It gets kind of forgotten, which is crazy. At one point, in a game that Russell Wilson started in primetime, the crowd was chanting Gino, Gino There's in a, the fourth quarter. Yes, let Gino cook. It was crazy. It was unreal. I've never seen anything. Credit to Gino, man. He hadn't yeah. started a game since 2015, I believe. Came off the bench 
and had to go 98 yards with no run game in the fourth quarter and just did it and threw a touch. I was like, this Bro, is incredible. Me. I went fucking, look, I got goosebumps. Look, <laughs> am I lying? Tell, tell people, <laughs> no, am I capping? Right. Yo, got goosebumps. That was, that was crazy. So fuck the dumb shit. What is your prediction for the season? Give me, how many, what I'm pissed about is I just saw the Bleach Report. They put us at 32. I, Look. On like a power ranking? Yeah, come on, so dog. the worst team in the we're, league. Yeah, come on, dog. I Let's won't get, do that. Yeah, fuck that. What, I won't what, do that. What do you how many how many games do you think we're gonna win this season? I think the lowest should be six. Because here and I'll give you the six too. I wanna just throw that number out. You should win two games in the division. Don't really matter against who. Division games right. are a toss up. The Rams are beat up, the Cardinals just got their boots smoked, and the Niners we have gonna, the We're gonna beat the Niners regardless. Should sweep right. the Niners, yeah. Yeah, honestly. So you we're twenty one and three against the Niners in the last 11 years. Yeah, like the Russ Russ cooks the Niners. But I know yeah. Russ isn't here anymore, but uh I think you should get two division games at minimum. Okay. That's fine. You're four out of division games. You got to beat the Falcons. Falcons aren't good. Right. They're not. They they're, they're not good. The Detroit Lions are not good to me, although I like their coach from Hard Knocks, but that's it. Yeah, that that. Yeah, should beat the Giants and the Jets. Beat the two New York teams, Detroit and Atlanta, win two division games. Saquon looked pretty good today. Oh, yeah. No, nah, that was no nah, Saquon is Saquon is for real. But I think the Seahawks run defense will be good. It was great last year. They were second in yards per I, carry. I, I, think, I think six is the lowest for me, too. Yeah. And I said that before you even came on the show. What do you think the most games we could win? I think I would probably max at nine. And so I would say you can probably get to three and three in the division. Because, again, the division's a toss-up. Everybody lost today. Yeah. <laughs> or everyone lost this week. No, for sure. The division's a toss-up. You could mess around and beat Denver. Uh, that's doable. We're going to talk about that in a second. Yep. I think— I mean, Kyler got—he looked like he was just—he got manhandled. Today. Oh, yeah. Now, the, the Cardinals are going to look up and down. I think another non-division game that's, like, up in the air um, would be the Raiders, um, just because their O-line is bad. Yeah, Derek Carr might die behind those guys. Like he, he looked just he stayed in the pocket and got killed in the got, pocket. Yeah, got destroyed, got destroyed. But my homie covers the Raiders for the Athletic. Shout out to my homie Tashawn Reed. He said they used four different offensive line lineups in one game. Not even guys because they were hurt. They were just shuffling dudes. Like it was I've actually practice. never heard that in my entire I've life. I've never heard. When he texted me that, I said, "Are you kidding me?" Like, no, no, listen, bro, I'm 50, bro. I've never heard that in my lifetime. <laughs> they were just shuffling dudes. Like, three-card money. Hey, man, you play right guard. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, go go to left guard. Oh, okay, my bad. Can you play center on this drive? And Joey, uh, the Bosa brother that they have, and Khalil Mack just smoked them. So I think if you mess around and go three and three in a division, and you go two and two against the AFC West, so that would mean beating the Raiders and beating Denver, there's your nine right there on top of the the six that I uh Get on the top of the other ones I had, that's what, nine and eight? That's doable. I think the Chiefs, that's a lot to ask. Chargers is a lot to ask. The Germany game could quietly be a toss-up. Yeah, because it's the, such a weird thing. Well, it's And also the Seahawks are like the biggest team in the world in Germany. Like in Germany, they're one of the biggest teams. Right. Yeah, they, uh, them, they're big over there in Brazil. They're big in Spain. They're big in London. So yeah, that could the, feel like a home game there. Yeah. Even though the Bucks are a better team on paper, so I think you can you max out at nine, you minimum at at six. That's competitive. That's not bad. No, not at all. There's something in the back of my fucking head that you guys said drove me goddamn crazy. I wanted to bring up, but you know we got to keep this going. So tonight, tonight is the Monday Night Football game. What do you like? I'm coming in feeling kind of good. But what's your prediction for tonight's game? And, what, and, and give me a, a score. Just throw a score out there and what you think. I think it's actually going to be very competitive. I think both defenses are going to play really well. 
Um, I think they both defensive have a little bit of the advantage, um, knowing the other teams really well. Like the Seahawks know Russ as well as they know any quarterback. <laughs> Come on, man. Possibly they, they barely. Usually, when teams have a, a a quarterback that's like starting with a new coach and everything, you can't watch a lot of old film because everything's you know they haven't played together. Nah. Seahawks got 10 years of Russ film that they can digest. Like, we know this is what it's going to look like. But on the flip side, Russ knows Pete. He knows Pete's defense. He knows his mindset. So I think both defenses play well. I think Geno plays all right. I think DK has a big game because I think DK is just a monster. I think he, he's going to have one of them years. Where I think like, so, too. Oh, where he's one of those, um, like, Larry Fitzgerald, D-Hop, uh, where it's like, you know what? We know the quarterback ain't even all that great, but – Number 14 is him. Yeah. Yeah, like D-Hop used to do that all the time. You, you know he needs to get the ball tonight? Like who who could be the equalizer and could be the, like a big thing? Who's that? Disley. Like yes. he, could be, he could be a really well, important he, factor he's for He's really us. strong. <laughs> Come on, bro. Yo, he, so his, remember his Denver game in 2018? Yeah. Where he had like 100 yards or some shit like that. Like yeah. hurdled a guy, stiff-armed a guy. Even last year against the Vikings, he threw a guy into the sideline. Yeah. Like, nah, Disley's a monster. And I like Noah. So fan. I was just thinking about it, and I think – he could be a very big part, like to come in and help. But of course, I feel like DK and everything. So, if you were to just guess the score tonight, what would you say? I still think Denver will probably pull it out um, just because probably 21 17, something like that. Like, I would take the Seahawks to cover six and a half points. Uh, I think I I'd, actually, I know I would do that. I don't have money on it. I'm not allowed to gamble on the NFL. But I would take Denver because if it's close in the fourth quarter, I still trust Russ. That's what it comes down to. Damn, yeah, I, I, st- like that. I yeah. still trust Russ, you know, because as much as I think Russ is kind of corny and a goofball, and I don't like the way he kind of conducted himself out the door uh, in Seattle. Let's ride. Shut yeah. the fuck up. Even bro. beyond that, like he was just checked out last year. You don't think, bro? And, and his teammates knew it. The media knew it. You know, like some fans knew it, but couldn't. I gave you some insight it. from what people have told me. You know what right. I mean? Like directly, and he was checked out, and I had no idea because I'm here talking about this. Russ, why do you have a podcast during the fucking season? Why are you doing certain things? So look, I know he's trying to come out, bro. Are they okay? <laughs> are they gonna boom tomorrow? Or are they gonna fucking? Oh, I think he's it? getting booed. Yeah, I think he's getting booed twice. Yeah, I think he gets no for real. I think he gets booed because he's a team. He's one of their captains. So I think when he comes out for the coin toss, he's getting booed. Um, and then first series, right? And then the first series when they jog from the the sideline to the huddle, whenever Denver gets the ball first, he's getting booed. And he should. He's on the other team. Yeah. Anybody who's trying to make sure your team loses can get booed. You're the enemy. You're the opposition. You're the ops. However you want to describe someone who's your opponent. When they're trying to make sure you lose, they deserve to get booed. That don't mean you got to say nothing crazy, nothing racist, throw anything at them. Like, you know, some no, A-Rod shit. But you can cuss them out. Or you, you suck. I mean, one of Russ's teammates told him he sucked. <laughs> yeah. Sherm told him he sucked on in practice. So, I mean, the fans can definitely boo him. And I think they will. Well, look. I'm excited for the season. I'm excited to have you back on the show when I come out here for the games. I'm excited to get on your show after the game. Yes, sir. Um, my prediction, if you care for anyone listening, I don't care if you don't care. I think we pull it out. And it's funny you said that because I was thinking 21-14, and I think, I think we get it. I think – so here's what I do think can happen for the Seahawks to win. They have to get some, like – all the turnover luck has to go their way tonight. That's what I, that's what I okay. think. You just said something. Fuck me up. Did you hear three, four minutes ago? I said you said something to me. I can't remember what you were talking about. Boom. And now, okay, we got to keep going. You just said it. So, bro, 
towards the end of the season, you were having like a, a recap, everything, boom, talking about the season from last year. You said in an episode with C Kid, you said there was a couple seasons where you get that borderline, that corn flip, okay, boom, and it was always going our way. Yes. 2019 in particular. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and it went our way. And then last year, it kind of didn't. No, not at all. I just think if we can get a couple scores early, if we can get a touchdown on the first course, second quarter, we can get a couple scores and get things moving and get some fluidity. I think that we could really shock someone. You know what I'm saying? I think we have a good chance in the fourth quarter. If we're up by over a touchdown, I don't care how much Russ come back. I'm telling you, I think that we, but again, I, it's crazy you said that. It was driving me crazy. I don't want to finish this interview without that. And now we can, with my mind conscious and clear, the fact that we were really good at getting these, like those, oh, which way is it going? It was going mm -hmm. our way. And the momentum is a big part of the game and the season. And it's not even just the momentum, too. Sometimes it's just like, it really just, do, it do be luck sometimes. Like, remember that 2017 season where they didn't make the playoffs and how many yeah. kicks Blair Walsh just whiffed on? He whiffed yeah. on like three or four. They ended up going nine and seven. He makes he makes the one against the Falcons. He makes any of the three kicks he missed against Washington that year. You well, know, what they makes win me, 10 games. Speaking of kicking, what makes me nervous is that, um, and I just messaged him tonight. It was weird because he usually hits me up about random stuff. But Jason Myers went for being one of the best. He had the longest consecutive field goal, this and that. And then last year, I was like, fuck's going on man like kind of went in a little slump but yeah kicking is hard to stay consistent year to year particularly if you're someone whose home field is outside because the weather changes yeah um and you kick in different stadiums because your schedule changes yeah. you know you get someone like uh young way Koo for the falcons well he gets to kick in a dome nine times a year eight yeah. in his own stadium and they play the saints same thing with will lutz who kicks for the Saints. You know, he gets eight in his own and then By nine. the way, wait, who's my dog? That's He's Korean, you know what I'm saying? Obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, love, uh, love him, man. Yeah, he's a good dude. In fact, he plays golf too. It's funny now. So, I, I hey, remember man. I covered him in college too, by the way. I think he went to Georgia Southern or Georgia State. One of those two. I think it was um, Southern. I don't think yeah, it was State. Yeah, Georgia Southern. Yeah, so they we played, did. We they did this. We did this stop Asian hate NFL thing. I forgot what it was. But anyways, yo, Mike, I really do appreciate you coming on here. I know you're busy but I had to get your insight and I really wanted, I have a dude who was born and raised here from Kirkland. He's our Seahawks official correspondent. His name is Scott Ferranda. He loves you, by the way. He listens to the show all the time. Shout big out to support. Scott. Yeah, big, big fan. And uh, again, man, thank you for coming on. I'm excited to jump on the pod after the game. Oh yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I can't wait. Hopefully we're talking about a win. Yeah. Uh, any, any, any shout outs you have or anything? Uh, I just want to uh, uh, shout out um, all my social media. Just follow me on Twitter. Yeah. At Mike Dugar, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. That's Twitter, Instagram, D-U-G-A-R-M-I-K-E. It's just flipped, man. If you want to check out our podcast, any of the stories I write, um, anything that I do, man, just I appreciate the follow, man. We had a live podcast for our Seahawks show. On um, Friday, yeah. On Friday night, um, and we had some people come out, and the love was crazy, seeing people who were like, yeah, man, I've listened to your show for X amount of time. One of our fans was blind. He said, I'm legally blind, but I listen to you guys' show. You know, I, you guys describe it so well. I can see what I was like, yo, that's what we do it for. So, that's fucking like, awesome, That bro. was amazing to see the love, people coming to our show, man. So, like, that's... I appreciate that, man. So I want everybody to just follow me on social media and just be part of the family, man. It felt like family on Friday night. And by the way, guys, the podcast is Man, the number two yep. man. And uh, I listen to it religiously. Mike, again, thank you so much. Uh, Miles, can you throw on some of that Lakey Lake? And we'll be right back with the outro of the show. Thanks, guys.
Yo, yo, we're back, man. Uh, I got to give a big shout out to my man, Michael Dugar. I was sad that uh, Christopher Kidd couldn't join us. He had to go pick up his girl at the airport, and uh, she had uh, come back from a family event, so it was all good. I'll get them back on, but, uh, you know, don't be scared, Scott. Scott Ferranda, you're still the <laughs> Seahawks, you know, official correspondent for BTB. But I really want to talk about the weekend real quick and just kind of run through it super fast. I um, was excited to get back. I pushed my flight back. I was supposed to actually get to Seattle on Saturday. I was like, fuck that. I'm going to hit some balls. I'm going to hang out with my family. I went to some putting practice with London. He's getting really good at putting. And then I decided to take my wife to um, a nice little lunch at the Edition. And that's E-D-I-T-I-O-N, the West Hollywood Edition. The Edition hotels are always very, very high-end. Not just, of course, the five-star hotel, but high-end five-star, definitely on the upper echelon of five-star hotels. And they got one in LA right on Sunset of Doheny. Beautiful fucking location. Great lobby bar, but they have a rooftop restaurant. Very small menu. But the food is fucking really, really, really fucking good. And that we had a great, you know, even though the weather was kind of fucked up, we're sitting on the rooftop. Great view, great ambiance. Little fucking um, uh, Pinot Grigio. Mix it with a little bit of Sprite. Got that little spritzer vibe going, you know what I'm saying? A little iced tea. Uh, we had some sweet potato taquitos. We had these honey tapatio wings. 10 out of 10. They were fucking so good. And then the carne asada tacos, they use ribeye steak. It's not like regular carne asada. It's big pieces. Fucking super, super, super fire. It was fucking really good. Had a pizza party at the house with my with my son and his friends, and it was a fucking shit show. It was crazy. The kids are going nuts. I watched Raising Canaan, and um, good episode. Not so much a filler, but there was some excitement, but they're still stringing you along, you know, was good. And then um, I watched this Bill Cosby documentary by Kamau. It's on, um, is it on Hulu or is it on Amazon Prime? I forgot what it was, but it was interesting. It was, they really break it down. They try to be unbiased, but it's kind of like now I'm leaning towards like, fuck, maybe Bill was a motherfucking scumbag, even though it was a very important person. It's just kind of tough to swallow because I grew up, you know, watching dude. And then, um, yeah, man, you know, I pushed my, my trip back to Sunday and, um, you know, I land in a, in a SeaTac. We hit up Dintai Tup Fung for some dim sum. Me and my boy Byung. And then I ran around town. Went to Dave & Buster's in Bellevue, of course. Went to the Bellevue um, Collection. What the fuck is it called? The, I forgot what the mall's called there. Oh, Bellevue Square. Then went to the other part where the high-end shit is, whatever, boom. And then we went all across the other fucking side of town because I'm looking at fucking golf shit. And um, I went to this uh, discount golf store or whatever. But they had everything that's crazy. I got some Nike polos, got some golf shit, of course. Went to the Seattle Pro Shop, of course. And inside the South Center Mall, right there in Tukwila, they got a fucking Jollibee. So I was like, fuck this. I don't need to get a ton of shit. But I was like, let me fuck around and at least, at the very least, you know what I'm saying? Let me get a burger steak. And that shit was lit. I was fucking super hyped. You know, they got a fucking, they got a little Filipino community out here. But you know what? The weather is not that bad. It's pretty decent. Wasn't raining. It was like fucking in the 80s, low 80s. It's going to be, um, I think, 77 or 78 and sunny today. So it was a great Monday night football game. You know, um, was watching football all day yesterday. All I gave a fuck about is that the Cowboys lost and the Niners lost. And look, when the Cowboys 
a Niner loss and a Cowboy loss is a win for everyone. I'm sorry, Miles. I'm sorry. <laughs> but that's all I cared about, that Dallas is out. You know, they lost. Niners are out. Sad that Dak is injured. It's fucked up. I hate that for him. But it was just a crazy day in football and all that shit. Seattle weather is decent. Guys, I can't express to you how fucking excited I am to be here for this Monday night football game. Um, I appreciate every last one of you. And, um, you know, I don't have time on this episode to get into it, but I do want to talk about unconditional love on the next episode. I do want to talk about um, writer had a little situation. He kind of sad because he got, he's not a victim, but he kind of just such a pure hearted, good kid. He was really sad. He had some people make fun of him and shit. It's crazy. Cause like writer's such, I'm not saying this cause like he's my son. He is a handsome, bubbly, great, fucking amazing kid. Right. And he's eight. And it's like, I just want to talk about in the next episode, but guys really appreciate you tuning in for the weekend wrap up we have a special guest and all that. Man, make sure you are subscribing to the show. Please hit that subscribe button. I don't care where you listen to it, but if you listen to it, Spotify, Apple, hit that subscribe button. Please make sure to tell a friend to tell a friend about the show. All right, guys, make it a great day. Make it a great week, okay? This is your boy, The Wash Lord. I am signing off. I will see you guys back on Thursday. Mad love. By the way, I'm shooting, uh, throwing bones, with Draymond Green tomorrow. I think uh, I'm doing it with uh, Ryan Garcia, the boxer, and Katino Mobley, ex-NBA player. It's going to be dope. It's going to be dope. All right, that's my man Lake, Lake right there. That means it's time to go. I will see y'all back on Thursday. Peace. <laughs>